Hello and welcome to the News Roundup from FITV. I'm Paula Fomes. And I'm Catherine Daniels. Coming up on this week's programme, COVID Q&A for March, the islands bid farewell to the James Clark Ross and blooms and baking at the Horticultural Show. In the monthly COVID Q&A, MLA Leona Roberts confirmed that there are now only three positive cases of COVID-19 in the islands and there are currently no patients being treated for COVID-19 at the hospital. Passengers travelling to the UK now have to book and pay for a £210 Covid testing kit to take tests on day 2 and day 8 after their arrival, with some FIG-sponsored students now starting to return to their studies in the UK. Chief Executive Barry Rowland confirmed the government's plans. I I discussed this with the Director of Education yesterday, amongst many other matters, and uh, we're more than happy to, to meet the costs of those tests for students. And she'll be communicating that at some point. All eligible people have now had their first vaccine for COVID and some experience side effects ranging from a mild ache to almost flu-like symptoms causing them to have time off work. Chief Medical Officer Dr Becky Edwards commented on the evidence for side effects with the second dose. The evidence suggests, particularly with the AstraZeneca vaccine, that you're less likely to have such a strong immune response the second time round, i.e. you are less likely to have such nasty um, side effects. Uh, How people respond will be, uh, they will respond individually. Some people may have the same reaction, some people may have nothing the second time round. Some people may have had nothing the first time round but become unwell the second time round. But as a rule of thumb, the evidence suggests that you are less likely to become so unwell with your second vaccine. Kathleen Williamson's trial started in the Magistrates' Court on Wednesday. Hannah has the latest from outside court. Kathleen Williamson is facing 12 charges relating to unauthorised access to electronic medical records. Crown Counsel Mr Stuart Walker opened the case for the prosecution on Wednesday morning and told the court that the alleged offences took place between July 2017 and October 2018, whilst Ms Williamson was working at the King Edward Memorial Hospital. Mr Walker explained that the hospital used a computerised system to log all patients' records and that this system had an audit facility in which an administrator could see which hospital personnel had logged in and which records they had looked at. The audit showed that Ms Williamson had accessed the system 78 times without a medical reason for doing so. And Mr Walker said that these viewings of records was a terrible breach of confidentiality owed to the complainants. Prosecution witnesses called were the data system administrator for the hospital, along with other management level staff. In defence, Mr Phil Axon applied for a dismissal of the case based on a precedent set by a similar case in the UK. This application was denied by the senior magistrate. Mr Axon said that Ms Williamson understood confidentiality but believed that this meant she could not discuss information with anyone outside the hospital. All of the Crown witnesses, Mr Axon explained, had had no formal training on what could be described as the most sensitive database on the islands. It's not good enough to say we assumed she knew about it. In describing the training on the confidentiality of patient records at the KMH, Mr Axon described it as haphazard and slapdash. Senior Magistrate Mrs Sarah Whitby will give her verdict on Friday afternoon after this programme has been recorded. Ms Williamson pleads not guilty to all the charges. 
In the Legislative Assembly meeting held last week, MLA Teslin Bartman posed a question regarding the challenges FIMCO has faced over the past year and the transparency of the FIMCO board with stakeholders. FIMCO have faced a difficult year with overseas workforce issues caused by the pandemic and depressed markets for exported meat as a result of Brexit. A mini-export season was suggested alongside a supplier support scheme. MLAs met with the Rural Business Association in Stanley and Fox Bay in December last year. MLAs were made aware that mutton would be covered by the supplier support scheme and that beef and new season lamb did not need to be included. The scheme was met with some criticism from constituents regarding a decision that all animals from West Falklands Farms would be transported in April and May 2021. It was acknowledged that there was a short window of time for this to happen as the workboat's schedule puts the transportation vessel in dry dock in May. There were 18 days allocated for 3,000 animals to be transported from west to east Falkland, with only one haulier company to do so, leaving a lot of logistical challenges to work through. This is MLA Teslin Bartman. This got us into quite a long debate, because particularly around beef, um, for instance, which, as I said before, we were told would be fine. Um, turns out that only 50% of those contracts can be guaranteed to be processed, and then they'll hope they can do the rest. But they've got a, a build-up of, of kind of stock in the freezer, as it would, so they're not, you know, not too sure. But they're kind of this, this lack of certainty puts, puts farmers in a really difficult position because, you know, there's still those questions about their lands, about, you know, how much they breed for the next few years to come. They need to make these decisions now. So there needs to be a join-up in strategy and supply which there hasn't always been a consistent uh, relationship between. So an example I used at, at Legislative Assembly was, well, a few years ago, um, FIMCO and you know, FIG as entities were telling farmers to supply thousands of beef. And now we're saying, well, the local demand can only take 500 and there aren't those export contracts developed to export it. And in fact, we can't compete with UK prices on that. But what other work could be done is still a question. But we don't know who's going to do it. We don't know if it's going to be done. And those are big problems because, well, if you're saying now that, you know, you can only really guarantee to take 500 animals or so a year, that's a massive, yeah. massive change to not just what we were telling people to prepare for. And they have been preparing for, for, for scales up like that then, you know, these are huge questions and they affect livelihoods and it, it needs to be taken with that personal approach sometimes. I think a lot of these kind of, they seemed quite obvious points, weren't getting the kind of traction um, that you'd expect through any of the FIMCO operational decisions that, that were being made. You need more transparency around this decision making so that, you know, you're not creating more problems and you can get you know, the communication on what will work in practice versus, you know, well, maybe it will work, but it's also going to throw up loads of problems. And I know the FIMCO board are, you know, trying to deal with what is a really difficult situation and uh, a, a really difficult couple of months. But the lack of transparency has been a kind of a problem with FIMCO and the FIMCO board for a while and has actually caused, you know, a lack of trust and there is a communication breakdown you say between the stakeholders and between the board and these decisions and it kind of highlights that 
um, that point kind of highlights it quite well, I think. MPC have started their vaccination programme now that the base is out of lockdown. This follows the arrival of doses of the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine in the Falklands over the past month. We spoke to Commander of the British Forces South Atlantic Islands, Commodore Lett, ahead of the vaccine programme starting. I think I think it's a significant point for the entire population of the islands that we're we're moving out that rollout of vaccines across the islands. Our programme of vaccination starts today. It will continue for the next five days. And what we're doing in uh, in spreading the the vaccine throughout the entire population, not just uh, the population in Stanley and Camp, but here MPC, whether you're a contractor, whether you're a member of the military, we're just increasing the resilience against the global pandemic across the entire population of the islands. I think that's that's a great milestone for all of us today. On Sunday, the town hall was full of vegetables, fruit, flowers, cakes, biscuits and breads. It was the horticultural show. We spoke to one of the organisers, Tina Ormond, alongside legendary gardener Clara Mackay and also Alison Howe, who got a first prize for her cucumber. So this year, um, we have found that the entries are up overall 31% on last year. Um, The reason for this, we presume, is the lack of the tourist season. Um, In previous years, we've always had to kind of work around tourist ships and so many people work in the tourist industry. So I'm assuming it's because um, they've got time to cook and garden and that. Legendary gardener 97-year-old Clara Mackay upped her entries this year with four more, bringing her total to 25. What categories have you put in for? Can, uh, give us a Just a little of... bit of everything, a little bit of cooking and um, mostly uh, fruit jams and, and uh, berries, all kind of fruits, and just to make up the number, you know. If somebody didn't put things in that would all fall through, there'd be nothing. <laughs> How many um, entries have you put in this year? Probably 20 with my flowers, but they weren't that good because everything had been blown to bits by the wind. The entries are set out in categories and sections, from layered cakes, fancy cakes, biscuits and smoko favourites, to even some carved entries from the Horticultural Society based at MPC. One entry had everyone wondering if it was in the correct section. There is a particular entry in the cookery section which has flawed everybody because it's a pot plant, but it is actually made of sugar paste or something like that. Um, Then we have some carvings, um, watermelon and vegetable carvings, which the people from Mount Pleasant have brought in, which are absolutely stunning. And what's your favourite category to put in for? I think the jams and pickles and things, because there's more work attached to those than something you just, flowers you just take in from somewhere, you know, and yes. I don't really look for prizes, you know, I just enjoy doing it, meet, coming here and meeting everybody and having a chat and a cup of tea and, you know, just an afternoon out. Here in the Falklands we've been very lucky COVID-wise, you know, we're quite removed from the whole situation. 
But it is, it is nice, I think. It gives people something to focus on. Um, and like, before they head off to sports next week. So, yeah, it, it's just, it's a, it's a feel-good factor, I think. The research vessel, the James Clark Ross, left Stanley for the final time this week. The ship has been retired following a 30-year career with the British Antarctic Survey, ahead of her replacement with the Sir David Attenborough. Here's Catherine with more. It wouldn't be a Falklands farewell if the weather wasn't slightly grey. But despite the cold and rain, crowds of people turned out to wave and hoot horns to wish the James Clark Ross well on her long voyage back to the UK. This marked not only the end of her five-and-a-half-month mission to deliver staff to Antarctica and resupply the stations for another year, but also the end of three decades of service with the British Antarctic Survey. Current master of the JCR, Graham Chapman, recalled his memories of the first visit. The inaugural visit here, Captain Elliot, Chris Elliot was the master and I was the third officer, and we arrived in Port William just before lunch and we anchored, um, we anchored off Blanco Bay um, and I rigged all the flags and then um, after lunch we came in the harbour and we steamed up uh, up to Government House and then I was third officer, I, I was instructed to dip the flag which is you pull the ensign half halfway down and then um, when Government House have raised their flag again you, you pull your flag back up. But we actually got stuck in the mud um, there it's it's very shallow and um, we there was a slight pause in our um, progress back up to uh, five pass so I'm gonna touch wood and and hope that I don't do the same. Fortunately on her final farewell sail up Stanley Harbour to Government House and back again was met with no issues as music played and the flags and paying off pennant flew. That's it for this week's edition of the News Roundup from FITV. Don't forget you can watch FITV via the KTV Broadcasting Service or online through our website fitv.co.fk. Join us next time for the latest news in the Falklands. Goodbye.